With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, college football fans across the nation. Welcome back to Urban's Take. This is the second take of Urban's Take and featuring Urban Meyer, three-time national uh, championship winner, two at Florida, one at Ohio State. Urban. Let's get going, right? Yeah, we're, don't forget with Tim May. Yeah, well, yeah. Most people would like to probably forget it, but hey, enjoy these moments, man. I enjoy talking football with you. Always have, you know, those few little times uh, there in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. We could talk about a few things other than what was going on in life, you know what I mean? But uh, bottom line is you're going to be in uh, West Lafayette on Thursday night when people may be tuning into this too uh, for uh, Big big Noon or Big Fox Big Noon and uh, – football and i'm just wondering are you fired up about getting back into the swing of things in college football i am and uh more importantly i'd love our team i mean we learned from the jimmy johnson and and terry brad that crew the one thing they kept telling us is it's your team and we become extremely close reggie matt uh brady and rob stone and, and it's a great company great group and they celebrate the game of football Hey, and, uh, you know, obviously that's going to be Penn State at Purdue, a treacherous opener, I think, for Penn State. I think you would agree with that. Uh, I think the last time you went to Purdue with a football team, it, uh, like I just joked with you a minute ago before we started, I think Purdue just scored another touchdown. That was a that was a devastating loss. It kept Ohio State out of a college football playoff berth that year. And so you know how things can turn on you in a heartbeat at Ross Age Stadium, right? Oh, I sure do. And uh, I think that coach is a good, great coach. I oh, think yeah. he's a tough guy. They play tough. The environment there is going to be electric. You know, uh, Ohio State has a tendency to bring out the best in people, and I think Penn State will as too. There's going to be – that's going to be a tough environment. And they got their quarterback back. You know, they have two – these two – something to watch, Tim. They have two Iowa transfer receivers that I've been watching a little bit. Yeah. One was a special teams all-conference player. And if they can – because they're a little short. They have two good receivers. But he throws a darn ball almost every time, and he yeah. does a really good job. Yeah. Uh, but if those two players at Iowa, Iowa transfers contribute, Purdue's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I think Jeff Brom it ends up goes into every game with a great design, but the uh, the idea is to get it executed right. And that quarterback's back; they feel pretty good about that. Uh, Penn State's got his quarterback back, and Sean Clifford. So some veteran QBs there, right? Yeah, Sean Clifford got hurt last year, and when he got hurt, his, his production went way down. They were five and zero at one point ranked in the top five in America, and then they kind of fell apart. So this is a big year for Penn State, Coach Franklin. They're 11 and 11 in the last 22 games. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. 11 and 11. Yeah. Uh, but he's done a really good job. Before that, they had some, you know, they won the Big Ten Championship and whatever that was at 16, I believe. Yeah. And uh, Penn State's an elite place, not a good place. That's a top 10 place. Uh, well, let's get to the main event as far as you and I are concerned. I cover Ohio State football half since uh, 1984. You coached at Ohio State for seven years, won a national championship. But before you got into head coaching, your last extended uh, assistant gig was at Notre Dame for what? What was that, five seasons, 96 through 2000, before you were named the head coach at Bowling Green. And, dude, you've got a stake in both of these uh, in, in both of these programs, uh, 
Notre Dame at Ohio State on September the 3rd, uh, prime time. I mean, are you already getting goosebumps about this game? Well, I, I just keep thinking about the coaches. Here's Ryan Day that gets to stand on the sideline across from the most tradition-rich program in uh, you know, college football history, Notre Dame. You got Marcus Freeman, 36 years old. First coaching job, he goes in a bowl game and, and loses, and then now he's got to go to the horseshoe. And yeah. uh, uh, he's a Buckeye. He's a great coach. He's uh, He's got the, a lot of momentum in recruiting right now. The players want to play for him. Uh, but that's a tough one to step into with a new quarterback. I, you know, the quarterback position is, you know, I don't want to, it's nothing yeah. new, but that's the most intriguing position in all of the sport. And the Buckeyes got arguably the best or one of the top two in the country. And uh, Notre Dame's got a new player coming right out of the chute, highly recruited. Um, I watched him, not much to look at. But I think there was 50 passes the entire year last year. So right. his, uh, his first snap in that 110,000, against a Jim Knowles defense, which I understand, Tim, he's all over the place. I went back and watched Oklahoma State. I didn't see as much of that, <clears throat> but the reports out of Ohio State are that there's a lot of different looks he throws at you. Yeah. Let me ask you, you know, I'm going to get into that in a minute, but I'll just ask you right now, you know, what some people are concerned, I mean, Jim Knowles, he, he you know, as, as, as coach speak goes, he could be like backtracking here a little bit right now and just saying, hey, you know, boy, we've, Put in about 75% of this defense. We feel really good about it, but, uh, you know, we got to wait and see. He is confident. He is fired up about where this defense has come in eight months. As he said, uh, like I said, he used that 75% figure, but that's a lot of defense to have installed, which is a, a pretty new look for these guys. But he's really been taken by how these Ohio State athletes have, have grasped it and, number two, how they've executed it in practice against, like you said, may be the best offense in the country this year. That remains to be seen. Ohio State's offense led by C.J. Stroud. But uh, uh, do, do you read the tea leaves there when a coach is pretty confident about what he's going to put on the field? Is is that a sign of, of confidence for the team? I mean, how do you read that? Well, I read it as the most undervalued positions of every coaching staff are those assistants. Yeah. And Jim Knowles is a defense coordinator. If he's, he's got those four or five assistants, if they're not – you know, I've experienced that through our career is that when I've had the best assistant coaches, it's hard to beat, hard to lose, you know, especially if, you know, Ohio State's going to have great players. Um, if he can have all the alignment of those assistant coaches, which it sounds like he does, yeah. that's a hard team to beat. You know, it's when there's the dysfunction that happens or the what goes on in the meeting because a defense coordinator presents the plan to the assistant coaches, presents a plan to the team that I used to call power of the unit. Then they separate they go meet for an hour and a half and they install. And during the week, during the day of practice, Jim Knowles is walking around. He's not, you know, he's coaching, but he's also overseeing. So yeah. I, I just, I, I'm fired up when I hear him talk like that. Cause that means he's got a, a brilliant group of assistant coaches that he feels strong about. Not everything's on the players. Absolutely. But Ohio state's got great players yeah. and they're going to have great players next year. Guess what they're going to have the year after great players. Yeah. It's those assistant coaches. And uh, from everything I'm hearing is they got a very strong staff. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, you went through that tumult, though, at Ohio State. You know, in 2013, 12 and 13, defensively, it just wasn't getting done to your liking one way or the other. And you you up, you upset that staff a pretty good bit. Next thing you know, you win a national championship in 2014. Uh, Ohio State did that same thing going on last year. Reminded me of 2018 a little bit when the – you know, things kind of ran out of staff, gas, and Jeff Halfley came on. Instant fix, you know, 
with uh in, on Ryan Day's first staff there. But uh, this is a this was, these were bold moves for, by Ryan Day after the season to go out and hire three new defensive coaches, wasn't it? Including a guy that worked for you at Jacksonville, uh, Tim Walton, former former Buckeye, uh, and then Perry Eliano was on that team that uh, defensive uh, backfield coach that made the uh, college football playoff last year for University of Cincinnati. I mean, uh, sometimes you just got to make those bold sweeps, right? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because people are involved and, and you're at Ohio State where 12 and two Rose Bowl champions, not good enough. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, but that's, you know, I, I used to tell our staff and our player, that's life in the big city. You don't have to be here. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough, you know, uh, but it looks to me like he made the right moves, obviously to be determined. But Ryan Day is a great leader. Ryan Day is elite. That's the term I used when I talk about him, because first of all, I love him. I love him. He's a great guy, great friend. But he also just the way he manages that organization. He's elite offensive pass uh, uh, play caller, but he also showed his ability now to put uh, make some changes on the staff that he felt was necessary, and that's part of the business. Yeah, you want to be close to your coaches, but you can't be bestest buddies because you might have to do exactly what he did, right? I mean, that's that's a that's that fine line you guys walk, isn't it? Yeah, it's awful. You know, it's I really only fired you know one or two guys. I just I, I always felt like. Um, you know, loyalty got in the way, or you, you just, I can work with this. And, and I, we had yeah. a lot of success. You know, I've had, you know, you, you work with coaches, you know, there was the media and everybody wanted me to get rid of the D coordinator. His name was Luke Fickle years ago. And yeah. I didn't do it. And he turned, he's one of the best I've ever been around. So yeah. it's a fine line. And, and only as Ryan will tell you, as I can tell you, that seat is as lonely, as lonely as a seat as you can have. Yeah. Because everybody wants something from you when you, and that's why it's very important to have a guy on the staff or a mentor or a guy that you can call and run things by. Hey, let's briefly touch on something that's always intrigued me about you and your career. 2004, you know, you had that team at uh, Utah, which I believe should have gotten to play for the national championship. It should have beaten Cincinnati to the punch of being an outsider looking in, you know what I mean? But finally getting that big shot uh, uh, among the power five group. But uh you, had a, you, get, you got offered that job at Florida late in that season, or not that late, actually. I think they fired Ron Zook earlier in the year. But then Notre Dame came calling a little bit after that. And, you know, always, you know, I always thought there were like two or three teams you would probably like to coach at one point in your career. One of them was Notre Dame. I might have been wrong about that. But the bottom line was, yeah, you almost had to make a choice there uh, the way it was presented to, to me. You go with Florida, win two national championships, then end up at Ohio State. But my point is, do you remember those days? What was it like to be sort of chased like that? And they, as you look back on it, any second thoughts about maybe not jumping on that Notre Dame gig when you had that maybe shot? Yeah, it was. Uh, they were both contracts sitting right there. And, and uh, my love and respect for Notre Dame is, uh, at the time, almost unmatched. I mean, you had, the, you had Ohio State. It's interesting if you go back and look at my contract, I had three outs, and it was Ohio State, Notre Dame, and the Wolverines, believe it or not. Really? Respect yeah. That. yeah, Bo Schembechler and I grew up. You know, I thought those are the – I grew up. Those are the yeah. three best programs in America. If you ever get a chance to coach at any of those three, take it. Because you can win a national title, and it's, you know, it's the cultures that you look for. Uh, but, you know, I just – you know, Shelly was very involved. My family was very involved with the recruiting. You know, you don't have time to build programs anymore. The recruiting, Ron Zook is a great coach and a great recruiter. And I studied the roster 
And I thought, you know what, this is a chance to go within your footprint. The other thing, I had young children and recruiting at Notre Dame. You're in San Diego, New York, New Jersey, Fort Lauderdale, Seattle, Washington, Denver. In Florida, you're in Florida. Yeah. And you might stretch your wings and go to uh, Georgia. So I had private planes at my disposal. I could still be at my kids' events. And at Notre Dame, you're, you're, I did some homework on that as well. You're across that. You're constantly on a plane. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I do at sometimes, you know, I see the fighting Irish and you know, I'm Irish Catholic and I watch them and think, man, but well, I'm glad I did what I did. Hey, we talked about this last week, but just one more quick quib from you. Does Notre Dame need to eventually get into the big 10? And what is your take? I mean, uh, boy, if the big 10 goes to stays with a nine game schedule and it includes USC and uh, UCLA, you know, you could see another traditional uh, rivalry go out the window, Notre Dame and USC. I mean, you're, you know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, depending on the, uh, what, what's your, what do you think? I don't, I don't know, Tim. I mean, I, it's a, if someone told you, hey, by the way, Texas won't play Texas A&M again. Yeah. What are we talking about? You know, and, you know I don't know. You know, I, I money drives this whole thing. Notre Dame is the, very unique. I understand they're going to get a, a really good TV contract, I'm hearing. Um, you know, I think a lot of it depends on this new coach and the success. If they're having great success, like Brian Kelly did, certainly the last half of his career there, no, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. If they start to struggle, you know, I think that's when people, the higher ups and everybody got to evaluate what's best. Who's sleeping better this week? Uh, and you touched on it a minute ago, uh, Ryan Day with a uh, Heisman finalist quarterback back in the, in the saddle. Or like you said, Marcus Freeman with a brand new starting quarterback. Who's 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 getting an, an extra two or three minutes sleep this week uh, before Neither. this game kicks off? Neither. They're a mess right now. They're uh, they're both a train wreck. Uh, they're both. I know one of them very well. Uh, the other one I've met many times, and he's great, Marcus yeah. Freeman. But I, I mean, this is big, Tim. My gosh. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ohio State's got Notre Dame. I want to say the last five or six times they played. When I coached against Notre Dame and the Fiesta Bowl, I mean, it's overwhelming because that's historic. Those are, you know, those games you never forget. I was actually at, I was coaching for Notre Dame when, uh, for Lou Holtz in 96 when uh, the Buckeyes came and had that great team. Yes. They beat us. They beat Notre Dame in 95 and 96. And that's bigger than life, that game. Yeah. By the way, I'm, I'm in, they had an interview tent that year because they were refurbishing, as you know, the Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, they had the upper deck, a uh, new part almost finished, but it wasn't open. You remember that game? It was the crowd was like in the lower bowl there, the original bowl. But uh, man, I'll never forget Lou Holtz walked by me going into the interview room and he had that neck brace on because he'd had that neck problem. But I'm telling you, Urban, this is post game. It looked like somebody had pulled the blood out of his body. He was ashen. I mean, that's what these games do to coaches, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's dog eat dog at this moment. Yeah, we had a meeting after the game, and it was, you know, I, I was still relatively young coach, and really the first time on that kind of stage, and I saw the same thing you saw, and I was like, oh, which I had expected. You know, yeah. I mean, it lost to Ohio State, and Notre Dame, you can't lose, by the way, and Ohio State, you can't lose. Yeah. It is what it is, though. It is what it is. Uh, what impresses you about each team, and where, where, and give me a, a snap, just a quick little take on what where you think there are question marks on each team or just one question mark on each team. I'm talking about uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State. 
Ohio State is unprecedented what they've done at uh, Brian Hartline, Corey Dennis, Ryan Day with the offensive recruiting they've done. I, I, it's hard to imagine they lose three first-rounders, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson. And from my understanding, the two they have coming back with some others right behind them are as good or better. Yeah. Think about what I just said. Yeah. You lose three first-rounders. Uh, and then the quarterback, it's, you go from Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields to – CJ, and then behind them, they really like these quarterbacks. So, at Ohio State, what I'm hearing, depth in the offense line is a concern, uh, but they feel pretty good about their team. They just got to stay healthy, get them to the dance. Yeah. Notre Dame's best players are tight end. Um, they have a new quarterback that's going to go into a tough environment. So, there's a lot of unknowns there, but their best player, he's a really, he's an NFL player. Yeah. They're tight end. Their defense is very good. Um, but the weakness, I would say, the quarterback taking those first snaps at, at Ohio State. Uh, dude, let's just let's just talk about it. I mean, that game uh, was on it was on Fox. I mean, uh, N- Nebraska, Northwestern, and Dublin, Ireland, and uh, you know, you and I were talking before the show. And I, I uh, does there come a moment in a game where a head coach sometimes maybe steps on him? Steps on his foot a little bit. I mean, from a risk standpoint. I mean, Nebraska had gone up by 11 points. You're on the road in, in five time zones away, et cetera. Why call an onside kick and just kind of go give people like a little insight on kind of what goes through a head coach's mind sometimes? Uh, you, you're already up 11. You've got Northwestern on the ropes, in my opinion. Defensively, you're playing them extremely well. Uh, why put your, why? Why take that extra risk to possibly put your defense in jeopardy? Because from that moment on, when Northwestern recovered the onside kick, it was a different ball game in Northwestern's favor. Yeah, first of all, Scott Frost, I mean, he's struggling. But he is a, he's a proven, has a track record that's, he took over a program that's really struggling, took him, in their opinions, to a national championship at Central Florida. I've known him a long time. He's a national champion as a player. I mean, yeah. Guy's a tough guy. I sat in meetings with him. He's a very smart guy. So, you know, I, I've never been one of those guys that question that coach because I've sat there. Uh, so think about this, Tim. And I had it on my game plan sheet every week for my entire career. And I would always, there's three risks you take. One is to win a game. Yeah. Okay. And that, so to win a game is number one. And that was, say, for example, the uh, 2016 double overtime where we had the ball fourth and that far. Yeah. You know, that, that's a risk. But that's to win a game. Take that risk. Okay, if it's educated and you you know if you if it's well thought out. Number two is to get back in a game, and I'm going to use the same game. I we were backed up and I ran a fake punt. It didn't work. It did not work. But to get back in a game, you also look on that sheet. I would my eyes would go right to it. Are we to win the game? And I have my fourth down calls. You have your last play of the game calls, or you have your deceptives or trick plays right there in front of you. To get back in a game is very similar to what you, you know, we just discussed. And then the final column, so first column is to win a game. Second column is get back in a game. And third one is we used to call it checkmate. It's in our player's manual and coach's manual. Every summer I would cover it with our team and say we are aggressive. There's going to be times where I'm going to, you know, imagine a fist fight in a, in a prize fight, and you got a guy against the ropes. you got that one last swing. Take the swing. And – and Scott Frost, you know, the program's struggling. Uh, their their single-score games are not very good at. He saw an opportunity from video, and maybe I think I heard him say that earlier in the game. He saw it, and it wasn't executed. Yeah. Let's stop there, though. Defense go out and stop them then. 
Yeah. For offense, go, you got three out, I think, three times after that. So, yes, you're the head coach. You get blamed for everything. That's part of the job. But you, your staff's got to pick you up and your players, you know, you, and I'm, I, I know Scott Frost probably said this to his team. There's going to be times throughout the year I'm going to take a checkmate swing. That's part of what we do. Yeah. Help me out. Get us back. And I think about in the 016, I know I'm going on here, but 16, in the double overtime, I went, we couldn't move the ball. We couldn't get out of our own end zone. And I ran that fake punt. Our defense, you know, I, I think we gave up a score, but after that, they held them to nothing. That's right. So the defense helped the head coach who made it. Obviously, the decision didn't work. I wouldn't say it's a bad decision. It was you're trying to get back in that game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, this is like last year, Ohio State. Everybody's down the defense, and rightly so. I mean, Ohio State got shoved around in a, in a couple, three games last year, especially even through the first half of Utah. You know, the three probably toughest opponents they played, Oregon, Michigan, and Utah. But what I've all, what I came back with in those losses to Oregon and Michigan, okay, your defense got is getting shoved around. But when you get the ball, it's kind of like a tennis match. When you've got serve, you know, hold serve. And the deep, the offense didn't get it done that day, you know. And that that was what, I mean, a team that led the nation in total offense and in scoring didn't come close to those numbers in those two games, uh, the two losses. And it really, it is a team game, right, in that respect. That's kind of what you're alluding to. Yes, yeah, so Belichick has it all over his facility. We did, too. Do your job. Yeah. You know, if the head coach makes a decision that's his to make, Help them out. You know, yeah. if the offense coordinator makes a decision to do a trick play or to do something, it doesn't work. Help them out. Yeah. And everybody, how do you do that? Just simply do your job. If Nebraska would have came back and stopped uh, Northwestern to a field goal, and then if they would have got some momentum on offense, like they were playing well on offense, and it all went went dry, went sideways fast. So yeah. does he deserve criticism? Sure. But football is the greatest team sport of all. Do I think it was the wrong call? I don't. I don't know that. I think that's his call, but I think it was executed poorly, and the you know offense and defense kind of you know gave up some yardage on defense, and offense couldn't move the ball. Oh yeah, I mean Northwestern lined up and ran it down their throat. You know, I mean basically ran the ball, which which is tough. Hey, real quick uh, before we get done here, uh, this you know Ohio State Notre Dame isn't the only kind of like semi-premier it is the premier game imagine this or the first time ohio state has opened a game uh opened a season where both teams are in the top five that's that's pretty impressive isn't it i mean that's hard to believe yeah it is it's it's really hard to believe but uh you know you've got uh, a couple other games uh cincinnati going to arkansas uh you know Luke Fickle trying to regain that magic from a year ago and stuff. You lose your quarterback. You lose quite a few guys on defense, et cetera. Uh, and then you've got uh, Oregon and Georgia. I think Oregon and Georgia playing in a neutral side Atlanta. <laughs> you know, but uh, but uh, what do you see about those two games? What, what intrigues you, especially, you know, you see at Arkansas? You know, you've got, uh, uh, you've got a little take there from a Cincinnati standpoint. I went down to see Coach Fick asked me to come down, and I went there, and I, I saw Kerry Combs, and obviously my son's there, so I watched yeah. practice. He's a hell of a coach and great staff, and Kerry Combs is the same Kerry Combs he was 10 years ago. So yeah, uh, they did lose. They lost their quarterback. They lost uh, those two high draft pick corners, uh, but they still look very good to me. They look long, athletic, uh, well-coached team. They feel you know that they're going to be right in the middle of the city in Arkansas. I don't know enough about Arkansas. I have not really studied them. I've studied UC and 
obviously I'm pulling for him hard. Yeah. Uh, and then Georgia, Oregon, Oregon's got a new coach, you know, Cristobal left, you know, and that's, I can't imagine, you know, Oregon travels well, but that's going to be all red and black in that stadium. And that's going to be a tough go. But the one thing we're also going to talk about on big moon at some point, I'm not sure this week, but how hard it is to repeat. Yeah. You know, you look at every team we had that won the national title, the next year was really hard to coach. Yeah. And in all in 15, we had a maybe better team than 14. Yes. And, and they're great, great players, great kids, but the staff's different. The head coach is different. Everything's different when you win a national title. That's why, you know, Nick Saban, it's amazing how consistent he stays, but it's, it's really difficult to repeat. So I'm anxious to watch how Georgia, you know, comes back after becoming the champion. Yeah, it's amazing to me because the, the repeat thing, you just brought it up. I mean, you know, 68, Ohio State had a brand-new starting quarterback in Rex Kern, won a national championship, then really didn't get it done the next two years. I mean, they won a, you know, somebody's national title, I think, in 1970, but it wasn't one of the two wire services. Uh, 2002, Craig Krenzel, first-year starting quarterback. Yeah, he started the Michigan game the year before, but now it was his team and stuff. They get it done. 2003, a better team, but minus Maurice Claret. They didn't get it done. 2014, as you just pointed out, <laughs> you not only had one new starting quarterback that year after Braxton Miller went down with JT Barrett, you ended up with Cardell Jones in the playoffs in the postseason, and you still got it done. But then in 15, couldn't just, you know, one loss just kind of ruined it. But, you know, wh wh why do you think that is in college football, Urban? Well, it's, it's not uh... – Joe Madden was the coach of the Cubs in 2016. They won the World Series, and I was a very good friend. And every year I'd go visit with him. I'd take my kids to Wrigley Field, and, and we'd sit and talk. And he he actually did a study, and it's under 10%. You know, in the major sports, whether it be – I can't remember the sports he did, but it was probably football, baseball, basketball, hockey, you know, and the, the top professional sports, top college sports. Uh, when you win a national title, the, you know, regardless of who you have coming back, the team dynamic changes, your mentality changes. Lou Holtz used to say the climb is nothing but energy, inspiration, yeah. togetherness. But once you're on top, it's maintenance is awful. The climb is incredible. Yeah. Maintenance is, you know, you're just all targets are on your back. And it seems like you can do nothing good enough. Remember what happened in, in what was it, 15? We're winning every game, but we're not winning by enough. Yeah. And Cardell Jones has never lost a game as a starter at Ohio State. And he just, you know, we, we made a change and, and it was, it was tough. It was not the same enjoyment of 14. I mean, you could walk on water those last three games and the, the, the you know, just the, the, the climb to the, the top was so much fun and 15, it, it was tough. Yeah. I always like to say about bull riding, you know, even if you ride the bull to the eight second horn, you still got to get off that damn thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and by the way, they're honoring the 2002 national championship team at Ohio state uh, this Saturday. Uh, Jim Trussell had him on my podcast this week and stuff. And it's just amazing. Like you just pointed out, even with you guys in, in 2000, uh, 2006 at Florida, how the dominoes just fell for you correctly, you know, and uh, the, the, the close games at that, that 2002 Ohio state team won. It was crazy. Uh, go, had to go to, overtime at Illinois, the first overtime game in Ohio State history. Then they beat the team up north, as you call them, Michigan, and then come back and double overtime against Miami to get it done. It's not an easy climb to get there, but boy, just as you look back on it, sometimes there's just magic in the air, right? Yeah, and to see Jim Trussell be able to come back again, and I remember he was there in 2012 uh, at their rivalry game. So it's just great to see it. You know, that's a 
2002, that will go down in history. That was one of the, I remember watching it. You know, obviously, I was from afar, but I've always been a Buckeye. Yeah. And I was cheering like crazy for them. And uh, to see, you know, to see those guys come back, I, you know, wish them well. And I, that's going to be a great moment for them. Hey, yeah. last question. Who do you like Saturday, Ohio State, Notre Dame? I mean, do you, you, can you can you make a pick? Do you feel good about making a pick? But uh, it just looks like, you know, the, obviously, Ohio State, as we record this, is a 17 17- – 17.5 point favorite, which is pretty overwhelming. That's three scores. I mean, uh, is, do you think that's legit in this game? I, I, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be right around that number. You know, I, I think uh, Ohio State will win the game. Uh, you just can't. The skill level right now on the offensive skill, it's going to be hard to stop them. But I'm, I'm really excited to see this defense. You know, everything I'm hearing out of uh, uh, training camp, and even spring practice, the installation, uh, and the way the players, you mentioned it earlier, the way they are absorbing what the Jim Knowles is teaching them has been one from every, and everything I hear has been outstanding. But once again, give credit to the players, but also give credit to the assistant coaches on defense. Isn't that amazing? We're both sitting here going, you know, yeah, you know the offense you think is going to be pretty good, but I, I can't remember the last time Ohio State fans were so in, in, excited about seeing a defense play, right? I mean, it's kind of like those mid-70s teams when they kind of walk and rule the earth. Are they going to be that level, right? Well, 14, if you remember, 13, yeah. we struggled on defense. Oh, yeah. A guy named Chris Ash came in and and uh, kind of stirred the pot a little bit on defense, and he had, you know, a bunch of great coaches. Larry Johnson, I think that was his second yes. year. No, it was I his first year. Yeah, I think it was his first year. Yeah, yeah. You hired him away from – because, you know, Vrabel left right. to go. Yeah. That's the right. pieces so we came hired together. two new coaches, yeah. and they came in and did a magical job. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, it helps when you got Joey Bosa coming off the edge. You know, things like that, right? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the second take of Urban's take. Uh, Urban, thanks for joining me here again, man. And uh, I'm looking forward to us kind of chopping up the Ohio State-Notre Dame game next week. But then looking forward, I mean, Alabama at Texas, you talk about a, a big noon kickoff. Oh, my goodness, right? We'll be there and ready to go. And, Tim, I love doing this. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen, and tell your friends. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.